Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today I have back with me my mother. Welcome back. Thank you. You're welcome. But before we get started, let's have a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us while we talk and speak. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Do you want to pray or should I? Go ahead. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for another beautiful day. Lord, we ask that you please be with us as we speak. Please help us to change whatever it is we need to change. Help us to learn and grow. Help us to be more like you and less like the world. And Lord, please be with all of the listeners, and I ask that you just help us to be ready for when you come in the clouds of glory, which is very soon. We thank you and praise you for the messages that you have given us. Please give us the courage and wisdom to do the right thing at the right time. And we ask all these things in your wonderful, precious Holy Son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so today we're going to discuss the difference between being a vegan and a health reformer. And I think it's very important important to know the difference because there is a lot of vegans in the world, but mm-hmm. there is a difference between being a vegan and actually doing the right thing as a health reformer. Absolutely. And we're told in Councils on Diets and Foods, page 38.2, that we have been given the work of advancing health reform. I mean, the Lord desires his people to be in harmony with one another. Yes, he does. And the question of health reform is not agitated as it must and will be we're told also in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 304. We're also told in Councils on Health that the light that God has given us on health reform is for our salvation and the salvation of the world, which we've talked about the last time I was with you, how important the health message is and how it is a salvational issue. And then the quote goes on to say, these grand truths must be given to the world. So that's what we're trying to do is spread the health message to the world and help people to be happier, healthier people. And that quote is in Councils on Health page 446 paragraph 1. It also says in the ninth testimony page 158.2 let those who are teachers and leaders in our cause take their stand firmly on bible ground in regard to health reform and give a straight testimony to those who believe we are living in the last days of this earth history. A line of distinction must be drawn between those who serve God and those who serve themselves. Amen. That is so true. Yeah, right there it tells us there's going to be a line of distinction. So there's a difference between what we need to be doing in our lifestyle and what the world does with their diets and lifestyles and everything that they do. Right, and in medical ministry, page 259, paragraph 3, it says, God's blessing will rest upon every effort made to awaken an interest in health reform, for it is needed everywhere. There must be a revival on this subject for God purposes to accomplish much through this agency. What agency is that? Health reform. So we're told in the spirit of prophecy, everything is called health reform, health reform, health reform. Nowhere does it say anything about vegan. It's always health reform. That's true. There's more to being a health reformer than to being a vegan. Right, exactly. And we'll get into the differences later on of what the main differences are between veganism and health reform. Because some people even say, oh, I'm a vegan, but I eat fish and stuff like that. That's not being a vegan. (laughs) No. 
But more on that later. In CH 22.2, it says, He who cherishes the light which God has given him upon health reform has an important aid in the work of becoming sanctified through the truth and fitted for immortality. But if he disregards that light and lives in violation of natural law, he must pay the penalty. Very mm. solemn words. And that is true because we see it over and over when people are so sick, they are paying the penalty for disregarding natural law and not obeying the laws of health and being a health reformer. There's cancer, there's diabetes, there's heart disease, there's all kinds of problems that people have from disobedience. We're told that God has given us great light upon health reform, which he requires us all to respect. He does not send light to be rejected or disregarded by his people without their suffering the consequences. So here again, we're told that there's gonna be consequences for the actions that we choose to do, whether it's health or anything we do there will be consequences. And that reference was 3rd Testimonies, page 311. Right. There's always a consequence for our actions. We're also told in Councils on Health, page 562, says the light which God has given upon health reform cannot be trifled with without injury. The Lord will not be trifled with upon these subjects. He who disregards the light which God has given in regard to the preservation of health revolts against his own good and refuses uses to obey the one who is working for his best good. Wow. Yeah, wow is right. You can't deny these words. I mean, it leaves no question about whether this is important or not. Absolutely, that's right. I mean, the Lord will not be trifled with. That's pretty powerful stuff right there. And just the fact that we know that God is working for our best good, as the quote says, and it's our fault when we don't obey and do what we're supposed to do. It's not God's fault. People want to blame God but it's not his fault. Again, look at the example of the children of Israel in the wilderness when they complained about God giving them manna and they wanted flesh, the birds. So after a while, God's like, okay, you're going to get what you asked for. Not because, you know, I tried to tell you that it's not good for you and I love you and I didn't want to give this to you, but I'll give it to you and then you're going to suffer the consequences. Right. He gave it to them because they were whining and complaining, not because it was good for them. Yeah. And then a lot of them died with it in their teeth. Exactly. Yep. They barely could wait for the stuff to cook. They had to eat it raw, which is disgusting in and of itself. And then the flesh is in their teeth and they die. Ew. Like, wow. Those watching that saw that must have been quite surprised. <laughs> I would have backed away so fast. <laughs> I would have been like, I'm not touching that stuff. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm out of here. Where's my mana? <laughs> come back. Come back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I... Would not have been complaining about the manna after that. No, not one bit. Would have looked quite well. You know, we're told that our bread and our water will be sure in the end days. We're not promised nice, glorious banquets of food. We're right. promised, you know, bread and water. So, you know, part of the health reform is learning also to sacrifice those things that we once found pleasure in. Right. We have to give up certain things and just know that 
Nothing will ever replace it. Nothing will ever taste like it. We have to learn to like other things and there's plenty of good, wonderful things that God gave us to eat that I don't ever desire anything that I used to eat before I became a health reformer. Any of those cravings that you get are just temptations from the devil to lead you off of the path of righteousness. Exactly. So we're really hurting ourselves when we follow our passions. I mean, appetite was the first sin. I mean, of human race. I mean, the first sin was pride by Lucifer, but the first sin of human race was appetite. Yes, it was. And it says in CD 493.1, I am sorry that there are many of our people who do not strictly follow the light on health reform. So it's not something that we can just pick and choose what we want to do. It is something that we need to strictly follow. Right. And it takes a lot of self-discipline, a lot of self-denial, and a lot of willpower, you know, in prayer. We have to lean on God when we're tempted with things that we want to eat that are not good for us. And one thing I tell people all the time is don't buy it. Don't bring it in the house. That way you don't have it. If it's not there when you sit down to eat, well, it's kind of hard to eat (laughs) if it's not in the cupboard or the fridge or the freezer. Yeah. And if you feel tempted in the grocery aisle to buy something get out of that aisle fast yeah or pray oh yeah prayer is definitely the number one thing that you need to do when you're feeling tempted i mean look at daniel and his three friends they were commanded to eat this flesh and food that was sacrificed to heathen idols and could have meant their life if they didn't do it but instead of succumbing and doing it like everyone else was doing it they stuck up for truth right and were rewarded because of it they probably were appalled at the thought of it and they knew what God said so they decided right then and there that they would rather obey God and die if that was what was going to happen rather than eat the king's meat. And their countenance was 10 times better than all of the other people who ate from the king's table. Right. And if we knew that if I put this in my mouth and eat it I'm going to die, I bet we would think twice before we did it. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe there are some people out there who would be like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to eat anyway. Probably would. But for me, I'd be like, there's so much more out there to live for than to waste my life away on this single bit of yummy food. Right. And we're told too in Councils on Diet and Foods on page 453 that his disregard of health reform unfits him to stand as the Lord's messenger. So when we disregard health reform, God says we're unfit to stand as his messenger. That's like, wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. I want to be fit, not unfit to stand as the Lord's messenger. How are we going to be able to help others with health if we don't do it ourselves? Like 6T378.2 says, the light that the Lord has given given on this subject in his word is plain and men will be tested and tried in many ways to see if they will heed it every church every family needs to be instructed in regard to christian temperance all should know how to eat and drink in order to preserve health we are amid the closing scenes of this world's history and there should be harmonious action in the ranks of sabbath keepers those who stand aloof from the great work of instructing the people upon this question do not follow where the great physician leads the way. Wow, that's a powerful quote, Kayla. All should know how to eat and drink in order to preserve health. And many of God's people do not know how to eat and drink. I get questions every day 
all day long, many days, and people really do not know how to eat. They don't know what to eat. They don't know when to eat. They're just confused. And so I'm happy to help them because we do need to know this stuff. And it's sometimes, well, it is our fault because we are supposed to be reading and studying. But mostly, I think above all that, it's a leader's fault too. Our pastors don't teach it from the pulpit anymore. The leaders don't talk about health reform except for don't eat unclean meats. It's kind of gotten pushed under the the bush off to the side hidden you know not important anymore doesn't matter and that's a shame and I'm really sad to say that nowadays people have become really lazy in the fact that they don't read and study for themselves I mean I think back during the dark ages with the Waldensies and how they studied for a year before they were even baptized and I mean they had so many things that they had to question them about because they were afraid of letting a wolf in that would betray them and would get them killed. So they had to be sure that this person was on the up and up. Yes. I mean, they studied very seriously back then and they knew the consequences of their actions. It would mean death, accepting this truth and then presenting it to others by hiding it however they could with whatever they sold. Right. But nowadays, we just go and listen to a sermon and go home and do nothing. Sure, we might read our Bible during the week or we might read the Spirit of Prophecy during the week, but it's a surface. We just read it. We don't actually take the time to do a deep study like the pioneers did. They spent hours studying something out that they couldn't figure out. Right. And they stayed up all night sometimes and prayed until they were in harmony instead of sitting there arguing and fighting and calling names and saying, you're judging me and you're not this and you're not kind and you don't have any love. That's what I see a lot of people. They disagree and that's what happens. And it just ends up turning into a fight instead of a learning experience. And we need to go to God more and he will reveal to us truth when we are sincerely seeking and praying and searching for it. Well, what is true love is the question you have to ask yourself. Is true love warning people about the dangers ahead of them or just letting them continue on their way? I mean, for instance, when you were raising me, if you saw I was about to do something that was going to hurt me, were you just going to let me do it? Right. When a two-year-old's about to put their finger on a hot burner, are you going to say, oh, let them burn their finger and learn. That'll teach them. Or are you going to say, no, don't touch. And sometimes you can't prevent the child from doing it, but you warn them. You have to warn them. I mean, that's love. I would never purposely stand there and watch my child put their finger on a hot burner and burn themselves to say, oh, I'm going to teach him a lesson. He'll never do that again. True love is telling the person what they're doing wrong. Just like Abel tried to tell Cain. And then Cain got mad at Abel for telling him what he was doing and ended up killing his brother. And thus the first murder happened. Right. Now it also says in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 19, at the time the light of health reform dawned upon us, and since that time, the questions have come home every day. Am I practicing true temperance in all things? Is my diet such as will bring me in a position where I can accomplish the greatest amount of good? If we cannot answer these questions in the affirmative, we stand condemned before God. For he will hold us all responsible for the light which has shone upon our path. He requires us to change our health destroying habits and place ourselves in a right relation to physical laws. We are condemned before God? 
Wow, that is mind-blowing. And it says he holds us responsible. So we are required to study and to know what we should and shouldn't be doing because we will be held accountable. For the very thoughts that we think even we're held accountable. So it doesn't matter how small of a thing it is. If it's wrong, we're going to be held accountable for that. Right. So now let's get back to our question of the day. Are you a vegan or a health reformer? Sister White says in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 492, I considered a privilege as well as a duty to be a health reformer. It is a privilege. It says in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we need to press toward that mark of a high calling. Yes, we do. And then we're told in Councils on Health, page 137, paragraph 2, that God wants them to be health reformers. He wants them to live up to the light that has been given on this subject. The question is, are we willing to be true health reformers? That question is in Councils on Diet and Foods, page 35. So how many vegans do you think there are in America, the percentage of the population? In today's day in society, maybe 10% of the population? Well, you're very close, actually. 5% of the population is vegetarian and half of those are vegan. So only two and a half percent of the United States population is vegan. Now, when did veganism start? Well, the term vegan was coined in 1944 by Donald Watson when he co-founded the Vegan Society in England, at first to mean non-dairy vegetarian and later to refer to the doctrine that man should live without exploiting animals. Interest in veganism increased in the 2000s and vegan food became increasingly available in supermarkets and restaurants in many countries. And several top athletes in endurance sports, such as the Ironman triathlon and ultra marathon began to practice veganism and raw veganism. So that's a little past history on that. Now we're going to talk about being a vegan and being a health reformer. Vegans, they don't eat at regular time. They drink alcohol. Many vegans eat food with alcohol in it. A lot of vegans drink coffee and energy drinks and, and teas that are full of caffeine. And they'll drink sodas and diet sodas because that is still vegan and they'll drink with their meals. They eat between meals. They'll eat chocolate, which milk chocolate is not vegan, but they probably don't even realize that. They'll eat mints and candies and gums and things like that. And they'll eat more than two to three different kinds at a meal. They'll have more than three to four dishes. You hear family gatherings, birthday celebrations. They have 20, 30 different dishes. They eat potato chips and fried corn chips and French fries. And they'll eat before bed and fry their food with any type of They'll mix fruits and vegetables at their meal. They'll snack between meals. They use baking soda and baking powder in any and all forms. None of it's any good. They use black and white pepper. They'll put cayenne in their food and hot chili peppers and jalapenos and all those spicy hot peppers that were counseled not to eat. They use condiments that are unhealthy. They're made with vinegar. They use uh, fermented items like sauerkraut, miso, tempeh, yogurt. They use food colorings and they use hot sauces and some of them smoke and they might use vinegar on all their foods, salads, oil and vinegar, mix it together. And then they also use nutmeg and cinnamon and all kinds of spices that are not healthy for us. And so that's what vegans do. Now, health reformers, they will not mix fruits and vegetables at their meal because
because it causes fermentation in the stomach, we're told. And they won't eat more than three to four dishes at a meal or two to three kinds of food at a meal because that also causes fermentation in our stomach. Health reformers won't drink with their meals because it makes digestion difficult and it causes the food to rot in the stomach. Health reformers won't use condiments because it poisons our blood, causing anemia and messes with the platelets. They don't use vinegar because that also poisons the blood and causes anemia and messes with the platelets. But that is because it's mostly in vinegars and condiments and that's why they're both the same. And they don't use fermented items like tempeh, yogurt, miso, sauerkraut because that poisons the blood. And health reformers also will not use uh, spicy peppers, chili peppers, jalapenos, hot peppers, cayenne because, well, not cayenne because that can be used for medicinal purposes, but it's not to be used on a daily. But these other hot peppers tears the lining up of your stomach and poisons your blood, like hot sauces, Tabasco sauce, those kinds of things. Now, black and white pepper and cayenne, they do also the same thing. But we are told that cayenne can be used to save someone's life. If someone's bleeding to death and you give them cayenne, I'd rather do that than have them die, right? Oh, yeah. So there are emergency times where cayenne does come in handy, but it's not something we should be using on a regular. Also, health reformers, they don't use food coloring because it causes cancer and it messes with transmitters in the brain. Also, we don't use baking soda and baking powder because they poison the blood and disturbs the pH balance of the stomach. We also don't drink coffee or energy drinks or any kind of caffeinated. caffeinated teas. Herbal teas are good, but the other teas are not good. They mess with the nervous system and cause anemia. Also, healthy foamers will not drink soda or diet soda because it messes with the nervous system and causes anemia. And it also sucks the calcium out of your bones. The carbonation does. And a health reformer won't drink alcohol or eat any kind of food with alcohol in it because it will destroy your brain cells and damage your liver. And we also don't eat chocolate because it contains poisons and causes numerous health problems. And like I said before, regular milk chocolate has milk in it. It also has caffeine in it. And also health reformers don't fry their food or cook with grease, which is animal fat, because it poisons the blood and causes heart disease. And health reformers don't eat potato chips, fried corn chips, french fries, fried things because it raises your cholesterol and causes diabetes. You should never, ever, ever fry your food in any kind of oil whatsoever because that is not good. What I do is I cook my onions or whatever I want in water and then I drain the water out and if you want you can even pat dry with a paper towel or something to get rid of the extra wetness and then just add your oil after it's off the burner. Also, healthy farmers do not eat mints and candies and gum because they're full of harmful ingredients that poison our blood. And health reformers don't snack between meals because it messes with our proper digestion time. It also causes fermentation in the stomach and also poisons the blood. So that's why we don't eat between meals and do all those things. So those are the differences between a health reformer and a vegan. That is a very extensive list and you can always re-listen to this if you missed anything. And I just want to say also for the fact that there is a lot of things that you can do for yourself to replace the things of the world. For instance, for condiments, you can easily make it yourself 
Also, for if you want to make your own French fries or bake goods, you can easily do that on your own without frying the foods. So there is a way to make things healthfully. It doesn't mean you have to give up something entirely. Just figure out a way to make it so that it's healthy. Yeah, right. It's a new way of cooking. You can still have your favorite foods and some of your favorite dishes, mostly all of them. I mean, honestly, there's really not a lot that I've given up besides meat and dairy products, but we still have macaroni and cheese. We still have hot dogs. We still have burgers. We still have a lot of the foods that we used to eat. They're just made in a different way and we've learned to enjoy them. Find the substitutes. Lemon instead of vinegar. Yeast instead of baking soda and baking powder. Right. You can make your own condiments very easily. Yes. With the lemon juice instead of the vinegar in it. And they're very easy to make. And if you have questions about how to make something, I'm sure you'd be very interested in helping them. Sure. Contact me. I can help. You know, the health reform is just what the name indicates it to be. There's too great a mixture of foods provided, soda and saleratus and rich gravies and desserts I used to far too freely. We have certainly departed from the simplicity of diet, and we're told that in 8 Manuscript Release, page 172, paragraph 1. And then we're also told in the same book, same page, next paragraph, that we shall soon reach a time when we must understand the meaning of a simple diet. The time is not far hence when we shall be obliged to adopt a diet very different from our present diet. And that is very true because that is what we have done. Even 10 years ago, I was still probably a vegan then, whereas I'm a health reformer now, but I was still living up to the light I knew and trying to make changes and eat healthy and do all these things. But our diet is very much different from what it was before. And I love it. I mean, I I love all the different things we make and try and do. And it's a lot of fun to experiment in the kitchen and see what you can come up with. And we don't really waste food. We just, if it's something doesn't turn out quite the way we expected or like, we fix it and add to it or make it taste better. You know, a little more of this, a little more of that. It's a science. It is. And it's tasty science experiment, you could say. (laughs) Exactly. I definitely benefit from those experiments, I must say. And I enjoy the food. And I'm really thankful that the Lord has given us a way to make food that tastes really great. In fact, we're told that cooking is a science. In CD page 251.2, it says, Let not the work of cooking be looked upon as a sort of slavery. What would become of those in our world if all who are engaged in cooking should give up their work with the flimsy excuse that it is not sufficiently dignified? Cooking may be regarded as less desirable than some other lines of work, but in reality, it is a science in value above all other sciences. Thus, God regards the preparation of healthful food. He places a high estimate on those who do faithful service in preparing wholesome, platable food. The one who understands the art of properly preparing food and who uses this knowledge is worthy of higher commendation than those engaged in any other line of work. This talent should be regarded as equal in value to ten talents, for its right use has much to do with keeping the human organism in health. Because so inseparably connected with life and health, it is the most valuable of all gifts. 
Amen. Wow. Powerful quote. Yes. And the Lord has definitely blessed you with those 10 talents. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful too that the Lord has given me the talent of cooking. And I'm thankful because then you can impart that wisdom onto me and others as well. Amen. That's what it's all about. Learning and sharing. Educate, educate, educate. That's we're right. told. Right. So anyway, we do need to study the art of preparing in a simple manner the fruits, grains, and vegetables, we're told in Manuscript Release, page 172 again. It also says we don't need these complex combinations that are provided. As the matter now stands, we're in danger of making dyspeptics. I would ask, how many are standing by the old principles of healthy form as they were given to us years ago? Do you know what a dyspeptic is, Kayla? Um, no. <laughs> It's basically known as indigestion. It's just the pain you have in your upper abdomen after people eat all this food. They get upset stomachs and then they're like, oh, because they ate too much or ate too fast. or That makes sense. Had the wrong combination, had too many combinations, the wrong kinds of foods, whatever. And so that's what that is. So when the quote says we're in danger of making dyspeptics, that's what it means. We need to encourage all to take a part in the work for their fellow men, like we were saying before, because it is so important. It's part of the three angels' messages. Right, it is. And we do need to really be careful with our diet and plan ahead. That's the key, too. Many people say, well, I work all day and I come home and then they're hungry and so they just grab, grab, grab. But I work full time and I had four children to raise and I still made everything from scratch and we ate pretty healthy and did the best that we knew back then but it took time you can't come home from work and sit and watch a movie or watch tv you gotta get in the kitchen and do whatever and plan ahead teach your children oh, i remember i taught you how to make bread and i would go off to work and say okay today you need to make bread we're low on bread i'd come home you had six loaves done made on the counter sitting there on the racks cooling and then i would cut them and put them away so it was wonderful yes it takes time Time and, and I remember thinking, oh man, I don't want to take the time to teach her and make bread. It takes so long. I got to stop and it's going to take me all day instead of hour and a half. And But I'm so glad that I took the time and taught you because it saved me time in the long run. Yeah. And it was also beneficial for me, for my future to right. learn. The so children love to be in the kitchen. I, oh yeah. I've never met a child that's like, nah, I don't want to, you know. Even still, my grandson who's 15 comes over and he loves to be in the kitchen and help. It's also great memories too. Yes. When you have fun with your children in the kitchen, get them invested in the food that goes into their body and they will care later on in the future what they're putting in their body. Right. So as you said, if we send into the church's workers who are going to set the principles of health, it will make the reform easier and it can help others then to teach others to teach others to teach, you know, and it goes on down the ripple. Everybody teaching everybody and then they can learn what to do. I don't have the quote off the top of my head right now, but we're told that mothers need to teach not just their daughters, but also their sons so that everybody needs to learn how to cook. I think she says something to the effect about a girl should learn how to bridle a horse as much as a boy should. I'd have to find that quote, but something to the effect of nowadays it would be like a girl should learn to change a tire like a guy should learn to come in the kitchen and cook. And know? iron. Right. And a guy should know how to iron a shirt. You have a friend whose husband, he can iron a shirt very well. <laughs> I don't know about you ladies out there, but I know that a man who knows how to cook definitely has my interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
nice to have a break sometimes or even doing it together as a couple is very nice yeah well i know when you and i cook together it goes faster because as i make the mess you clean it up <laughs> man i'm sounding more like cinderella by the minute <laughs> but it's okay i reap the benefits <laughs> uh, well the conclusion is kayla that we're told in first manuscript release on page 62 that much depends upon the question of health reform and unless our churches occupy a higher platform upon this subject they will not be able to appreciate the truth for this time and that's really true because many do not appreciate it at this time the day and age we live in they want everything microwavable coming out of a box coming out of a package coming out of this coming out of that even my daughter who lives in another state said she was having a conversation with someone one time and they were saying how they made everything homemade and then they proceeded to tell her they opened up a box and made scalp potatoes and then they opened up a box and made this and she said that's not homemade she says my mom makes everything homemade that means you make it from scratch <laughs> so it's like she knew <laughs> well that's the problem with today's society is that they think homemade meal comes from a box and you just add eggs or butter or yeah. whatever right or put it in the microwave and voila right this magical meal add some milk and butter and throw it in the microwave and then you made it homemade no that's not homemade homemade is doing it all from scratch from the beginning no box no this no that and that is the best too it just tastes better it looks better it's healthier for you and all this preservatives and additives and chemicals and food dyes and all the things that we shouldn't be eating anyways i mean the question you eventually have to ask yourself is heaven worth giving up these pleasures for right i mean in heaven you're not going to be eating meat and anything that's dead anything that's alive because there isn't going to be no death in heaven no i remember somebody once trying to tell me that they would have fried chicken in heaven and i just could not believe what was coming out of their mouths right when it says there's no death in heaven oh i i just can't imagine god saying okay time to eat folks go out and kill your chicken or kill this cow or or kill this pig and let's cook it up and sit down and have a meal no it's not going to happen we have to give those things up now because we're getting ready for heaven and in order to get ready for heaven we have to get ready here on earth i mean to me the tree of life with the 12 different fruits every single month sounds way more interesting to me than some dead animal on the table i mean can you imagine 12 different fruits on one tree and every single month it's different fruits are wonderful we're told in the spirit of prophecy that fruit is one of the best articles of food so actually of all the food groups it sounds to me like we're told that fruit is the best of all of them if you couldn't get anything else i guess and you could only live on fruit you probably could survive <laughs> eating simply doesn't mean eating badly no it doesn't and sometimes we will eat very very simple and we'll just have maybe some lentils and rice and some broccoli or or sweet potato and beets and lentils i mean you don't have to always make this fancy meal and go through hours of work in the kitchen. I mean, for special occasions, it's probably okay or something special for Sabbath, but during the week, a lot of times we'll have a salad with beans and rice in it or broccoli or carrots or something like that and make some homemade dressing, have a slice of bread. You've got an excellent meal. It's a nice palate cleanser. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to have to ask the question for yourselves. What's important to you? And study this all out for yourselves. I mean, read for yourselves these quotes. There's so much more than what we read today. 
about this topic. Yeah, and so you have to ask yourself, are you a vegan or a health reformer? What do you want to be? What do you desire to be? And go to God and pray and say, Lord, I need help. I've been doing this, this, and that. I need help to change. I want to change. And he will help you. He longs to help you. He desires to help you. He's willing and waiting and ready to help you to become a health reformer. Remember, we can overcome through the blood of the Lamb and through Jesus Christ. We must lean on him. And remember what it says. Once you learn, you must educate. So once you learn this, you need to go out and tell others about this as well. Like it says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I want to say thank you for joining me again. You're welcome. And we will come back again for another time to talk about something else. There's so much more to talk about on the subject of health. There's lots. <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. And with all that being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.